Well, hello and welcome to episode number 363 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and in this week's show, Southampton Airport finally gets the green light for expansion. One airline bins off all their A350s for the much better Boeing 787 and the Airbus Beluga drinks some cooking oil. In the military this week, the Nigerian Air Force is set to receive Super Tucanos in the near future. Ukraine has decided to drop its Russian-made MiG fleet and pursue an all-Western Air Force. New Zealand's Wings Over Wanaka Air Show starts to get planned and the commemorative Air Force opens its new hangar and education centre in Dallas, Texas. So joining me this week, as always, across the village in the PTU, UK Master Suite Studio. It is, of course, Matt Smith. I'll turn my microphone on. That'll help. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm so busy worrying about Hello, everything Matt. else. Uh, yes, very good. Thank you. Yes, all, all good. Lovely. Good. Glad to see you've got a nice background behind you. Thank you. Awesome. Yes, yes, yes. Excellent. You reminded me to change it just in time. Thank you. I know, I know. <laughs> and joining us across the country in the stately manner that is in Buckinghamshire, it's, of course, Neville Bound. Yes, hello everybody. Good to be here again. And uh, I have uh, had my hair cut this week, finally. Uh, although uh, when I went into the uh, hairdresser, they said, Mr. Bounds, you really should have come in for an estimate. First right. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. Yes, I had mine cut this week as well. I was very excited. I was very lucky because I was on the... We had, uh, my barbers had a VIP list and, and I'd made it onto the VVIP list. So I was very excited by that. <laughs> Well, it's good to have uh, good to be back on again, Nev, as always. And uh, yeah, we have we can have haircuts now in the UK. I know. Whoopee! We're also allowed in outside beer gardens and things yes. like that, which I'm quite excited about. Yeah, I intend on making full use of that tomorrow evening. Indeed. Oh, anyway, right. oh, more on that right. later. Um, <laughs> he's back this week after being away. We gave him a few weeks off, but I'm pleased to say, and there'll be some very happy people in the chat room this evening. He's back. It is the legend that is. Armando. Hey guys. Uh, yeah, I am happy to be back. And of course, I wouldn't miss this show because it's no longer Plain Talking UK. You're going to see here in a minute that the Americans are, we don't outnumber, but at least equal to the number of Brits on the show today. Yeah. So infiltrating, we'll taking yeah. over. Yeah. Plain Talking Atlantic. We'll keep it diplomatic. Okay, right. Plain Talking Atlantic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yes, we have got some guests. But uh, just going to say a quick hello to everyone in the chat room before we move on to our guests. Um, we've got all the usual family members in there. Going to quickly run through these because we have got to push on quick today. So Lee Davis, hello to you. Uh, Nick Codling. Uh, we've got Alex Robinson and uh, Richard Adams. Hello to you, Richard. Lane Street. Obviously, Lane's got to be in there. Tanya uh, W is also in the chat room. We've got Auntie Liz over in Canada. Uh, Captain Cruz. Rakon is also in there. Masha. Hello to you. Masha. Uh, Dirk S <laughs> says he's here for Jason. Uh, we've got um, Jenny as well over in Rome. So hello to you in Rome. Hope the weather's been good for you as it has been for us here in the UK today. It's been like summer. But uh, uh, don't forget, uh, thanks uh, obviously to everyone for joining us uh, on the YouTube chat room this evening. And don't forget, for anyone listening to the audio version of our show, don't forget you can check us out over on YouTube. Just check us out and search for Plain Talking UK on YouTube. Also, for anyone joining us for the first time this evening, uh, you're very welcome along as well. We are, as uh, you mostly all know, an aviation podcast written by passengers 
well, apart from Armando, for anyone. Uh, we cover the latest and sometimes quirkiest aviation news, bringing you content from worldwide air shows and events, and we interview and introduce you to some of the most incredible people in aviation. So join us uh, for this episode, and if you enjoy us, go, don't forget to give us a like and subscribe to us as well for more and share the links with your friends. So speaking of incredible people in aviation, it gives me great pleasure to welcome onto the show for their first time. It's the two guys from one of the greatest podcasts of aviation on the, the uh, podcast channels from the AvTalk podcast from FR24. It is Ian and Jason. So welcome onto the show. Thanks so much for having us. Hey, happy to be here. Great guys. So, uh, so how are things are you guys? Obviously, so the time difference is um, slightly early where you are. So you guys are probably still at work or working. So you can't be with us long. But um, yeah, how are things? Things are well. They're not as well as they are over over by you. We we don't have the uh, we don't have the evening uh, podcast feel yet, which I'm a little bit mm-hmm. jealous of. Uh, but, uh, but we'll get that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's been, uh, it's been a week. It, it's beautiful out and, uh, they're landing right over the house. So it's, uh, always nice to see the, the heavies come in right over the house, uh, in, in the middle of recording a podcast, of course. <laughs> well, it, as this is an aviation podcast, we can't think of anything better, frankly. So that's <laughs> true. that works true. for us. <laughs> Actually, so, to be honest with you, most of our listeners would be able to identify the engine types yeah, and what aircraft much. is just from the background. <laughs> yeah. it's, fact, it, I mean, yeah, that's happened before. Yeah, they'd rather listen to the engines than us, I'll, I'll be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk a bit about the, uh, the podcast you guys do in a bit. But first, I suppose we'll, we'll kind of find out what, what it is you guys do because some of the listeners may not know so uh, we'll start with jason jason what um job do you have within the aviation world so uh currently i work for a company called atp co and my specialty is airline products uh the passenger experience uh the stuff on the plane that you sit in play with interact with um, or eat, I guess, even. Uh, we, we uh, Part of what I do specifically is we, we catalog all that information for like what is on every plane, what is going to be on every flight. So with that when you book a flight, you know that you are getting a lie flat seat in like a 111 configuration with like a good meal as opposed to another airline or a different flight on the same airline 20 minutes later that could have a much worse product for the same amount of money. And that that's my secret day job that I don't tell many people. So keep it between us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it sounds very interesting. I will say, uh, Jason, that um, keeps you busy, I expect. But uh, Yeah, yeah, especially uh, these days where um, air, airline fleets are so in flux. It's increasingly difficult to, to know uh, what even, what aircraft airlines have these days because they're, they're coming and going and being grounded and ungrounded so quickly. It's uh, given us a bit of, whiplash so ian a bit about yourself what uh, what do you do within the industry i uh i i have one of the best jobs in aviation is what i tell people because i uh i i get to i get to look at flight radar 24 all day um and uh and i get to tell people about it like come on this show and, and talk about what we do and and how we do it and and what jason and i get up to uh on a regular basis but um, I, I get to to explain how we track flights at Flight Radar 24. I get to go to amazing. Well, I used to get to go to amazing industry events, um, and hopefully, we'll get to go to them again soon. Um, and uh, I get just have the have the kind of fun that I think a, a lot of uh, av geeks 
would would love to have. It's uh, it's one of the apps I think that most of us here in the UK definitely use, and I know that pretty much everyone I know has the app, and you, you always get the people who look up in the sky, oh, what's that? Flight Rider Twenty Four. Check out, click on the app, and yeah, it's it's a it's a good job. Uh, yeah, to be fair, I, I don't even like aviation, and it's somehow I'm a silver <laughs> member. I don't know quite how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we get you we, we right. suck you <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the uh the podcast then guys uh how did this all or how did the podcast start the avtalk podcast uh we we had an idea for a podcast uh within kind of within the company and jason and i had been friends and we're kind of just well, we still are friends, but we had been uh, we had been kind of hosting a podcast in conversation with each other, uh, and decided, well, why don't we instead of just talking to each other, why don't we record this and and see if anyone else wants to listen? And it turns out that enough people did that we kept doing it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. We we just took what we uh, typically wrote to each other in Google Messenger and put it in audio form every other week, and there's our podcast. Yeah, it's a, it's a good the actual show itself. Um, obviously, you guys you you put out fairly regular content uh, each. Uh, is it two, two or three episodes a month? I think you guys put out at the moment, don't you? Yeah, every it's it's, week, a, it's yeah. every other week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh, kind of what what do you kind of focus on on the show? I mean, I know because I listen to the show, but what for our listeners who may not have listened to the show yet, but are going to start listening to you now, uh, what kind of content do you put out uh, on your show? Sure. So what we try and do is find things that we're interested in, uh, anything that's happened over the past two weeks that that we found interesting, um, that may have, you know, there was a headline, but it didn't really capture the full story. And then we'll take it from there and see what else we can, we can dig up uh, and, and dig into. And in, in between those kind of conversations uh, between Jason and I, we like to bring on guests who we also find interesting. Um, we know that if, if we're not interested in it, our listeners aren't going to be interested in it. So we've, um, we've talked with uh, some really interesting pilots uh, who, who fly, not necessarily, we talked to, you know, passenger airline pilots and things like that. But I, th- I think some of our most interesting uh, conversations have been with pilots who aren't necessarily uh, doing a, a standard, you know, uh, airline uh, type job. Um, the Maria Langer, for instance, comes to mind who, uh, who drives cherries uh, with a helicopter. And so uh, that was, that was always a, you know, a fun one to, to talk about where you're like, wait, you do what with what now? Um, and, and to find out things in, in the aviation world that, that we didn't know were jobs. Uh, we didn't know you could do. Uh, and that was definitely one of them that we, very surprising uh, that not only is there one person who does it, but it's kind of a, a whole industry out in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. And that's definitely what drives our podcast is that uh, we don't cover a topic if it doesn't personally interest us. We we often see a lot of headlines that we'll throw in our show notes and say, uh, neither of us actually wants to talk about this. So let's just scrap it outright. Um, (laughs) So if it's not interesting to to Ian or I, we we just typically don't cover it because it's got to interest us to talk about it and have an actual genuine conversation. Mondo. Yeah. Well, you know, I was going to add in there, there's a lot of aviation podcasts out there and um, I was just going to kind of mention to you guys, though, 
you know, I wasn't around for the 100s in the episodes of PTUK, but then the 200s got kind of easy. And by 300s, you really hit your stride. So you guys will you have a, a great future ahead of you, especially because I know a lot of people that listen to your podcast. Um, for me, a real quick shout out to just Flight Radar 24. Uh, for one year after I retired from the Air Force, I was actually an airline pilot. And your information was more accurate and updated than our dispatch. So so often, wow, okay. No, I'm not joking around. So often I would just sit there at an airport or an FBO or somewhere with a broken airplane and then looking to see where my replacement was on FR24 <laughs> and, and and telling, you know, my captain or my co-pilot, "Hey, th- no, no, no. Ignore what dispatch is telling you. This is where the airplane is and this is when they're going to be here." So what a fantastic product. And, and like these guys are talking about, I mean, everybody uses Flight Radar 24. I think it's it's one of those apps that has just become, I mean, a staple in in, in aviation and, and left everybody else in the dust. Um, but, you know, I, I saw some comments here in the chat room that are, what was from Dirk actually says, shout out to all active FR24 feeders. That's actually a really good question. How does Flight Radar 24 get its data and how is it so good? Sure. Um, we've got nearly 30,000 individual receivers uh, around the world, terrestrial receivers around the world. And we're supplementing that by, um, you can actually see in, in the in the fancy background I've managed to, to construct, uh, the blue airplanes, that's uh, satellite data as well. Um, that's how we, we distinguish it. And so each, each icon on, on the screen is is coming from one or more of the the nearly 30,000 receivers um, that are hosted by you know people who uh, either really love aviation a lot of people that really love uh, radio technology um, we've you know ham operators and shortwave radio folks who got into ADSB in in kind of in its infancy uh, you know a decade or so ago and people that are, are interested in aviation, whether that's individuals or a lot of airports. You mentioned an FBO, lots of FBOs host a receiver um, and, and they'll take that, uh, the data that their receiver's collecting and bring that back to um, their own work that they're doing so that they can you know, know where the, the plane that's coming in that they're going to have to service is, is coming from, when it's going to arrive, things like that. Um, so yeah, there, there's all, all sorts of people uh, all around the world on all seven continents, actually, who, uh, who are you know, gracious hosts um, and, and supply us with, uh, with the data that, that we then turn into what you see on the screen. Can anyone um, get one of the, the, the transceiver boxes? Oh, no, I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anyone can apply uh, to, to host one of our receivers. And and we we put the 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 receivers that we've custom built. Those go to to areas where we either don't have coverage at the moment, have limited coverage, or could really benefit from a boosting coverage at say a major airport or something where we don't already have have a receiver. That said, anyone can build one of the receivers uh, and connect it to our network. And and that's. Um, you know, that's a Raspberry Pi, uh, a software dongle um, that gets plugged in. All you need is an internet connection and uh, a few bits of kit, and and then you're ready to go. And you're sharing, you know, that data that your receiver's collecting with uh, with us, and, and it's getting shown shown live on the site. 
Is that, is that, yeah, Carlos essentially has a, a very, a very um, long marriage with his his long suffering <laughs> wife. That I'm convinced he's trying to come to, <laughs> trying to bring to a rapid end. If I'm honest, <laughs> not buying any more pieces of aircraft. Right, good. <laughs> well, that, that's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> apart from a receiver. Anyway. Right. right. Um, <laughs> Captain Cruz actually says in the chat room, Captain Cruz says, you guys, you guys have great chemistry on the show. He, he likes the show. Um, he also, uh, Captain Cruz also says that he's had his SBS-1 since 2008. That's, uh, yeah, that, that's one of the, the older, older models of receivers that um, we, uh, we have still collecting yet. I mean, they, they do a great job. Wow. Hey guys, I got a I got a quick question for you. So you mentioned mm. an interesting episode with uh, drying cherries with a helicopter, yeah, yeah, which just sounds uh, expensive. But <laughs> in, in in all of your uh, in all of your shows, are there are there any episodes that kind of stand out as your favorites or a favorite guest that you've had? Um, yeah, what what kind of stands out in in your mind? Um, it, there, there's some, my favorite episodes are the ones where, uh, we go in with kind of an idea of what we're going to talk about with the person with the, you know, you, okay, you're an airline pilot. Let's, let's talk about that. Um, you know, with Maria, we knew that she already had an interesting job. Um, but my favorite episodes are the ones where we don't really know what we're going to talk about. Uh, we, we know kind of a general idea, but we don't know any of the specifics. Uh, so I'll, a long while back, um, one of our, our first kind of interviews, we, we interviewed Andrew Poor, uh, who was managing cargo uh, for one of the um, charter cargo airlines uh, in, in the U.S. That, that happens to have a, a call sign that is relatively uh, like a someone who used to drag race. Um, so <laughs> aviation folks will pick up on where we're going there. But... Uh, Wendy's had an issue with um, with ketchup on the East Coast. There had been some sort of foodborne illness, salmonella or something like that, in their ketchup supply, the ketchup packets. So they chartered a 747 to bring 225,000 pounds of ketchup from the West Coast to the East Coast. Um, and just hearing that story, you think – of course, that, that's that's of course the the response that one would expect from a a major fast food chain to to charter some for some for you know uh, tons and tons of ketchup. So I think those are the favorite kind of episodes. Um, I, I I would have to you know kind of look and, and see what uh, what else kind of cropped up. But but those are the, those are the really fun ones. For me, I think I'm I'm agreeing with Dirk in the the chat room and YouTube that Steve from Jet Test and Transport is still my yeah. personally at least my favorite interview because of just how unique his role in the aviation industry is. And um, it's no secret that Ian and I don't really prepare all that much with our guests, so we don't really know what the answers are going to be from our guests and the extent of what he actually does, what his day job is, how he does it, how much travel is involved in what he does. Um, to me, that was the most interesting interview it conducted. And I think with our audience as well, that was, I'm going to guess our, our most liked interview. I mean, actually, you, you're saying, obviously, that there's the, the, I mean, one of the things that people are saying here is like the chemistry and things like that. And actually, as you say, if the subject's interesting to you, you almost don't need to do the preparation because the whole point of having the guest there is to literally do that, isn't it? Is to have a conversation with them about it. And, and I think it makes it much more organic. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? I mean, sometimes you can almost over-prepare for things. Obviously, that's never been a problem on this show, but, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like J Jason, I think, tends to, 
<laughs> Jason tends to oversell uh, how underprepared yeah, we are. I don't know. Uh, okay, Jason <laughs> tends to oversell how underprepared I am. <laughs> like it. But I mean, the, I, I, but to, to that point, I think some of the best episodes have been, we're going to bring this person on because we follow them on Twitter and like, that's really cool. Let's talk to them. Uh, and some of my least favorite episodes have really been the ones where we've needed to prepare because we've been yeah. working with a PR firm or something like that in order to get this person to come talk to us. Um, and, and those always feel very, very stilted there. You know, you have a really interesting job, but you're under 12 layers of bureaucracy. So we're not really going to get to talk to you. We're talking mm. to your corporation. And, and those are, those are less than fun. Like this is a fun conversation because we're talking with people who all share kind of a, an interest and, and to the point about chemistry between between Jason and I, we talk all day every day. I mean, we we are friends outside of aviation. Mm. Um, so it, my my wife jokes that you know you you have you know your your work spouse. Well, <laughs> sorry, Jason. Uh, <laughs> but but the, I mean the, you know these kind of things I think lend themselves to a real a real good you know show um, that that people like to listen to. At least I hope they like to listen to. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we found yeah. some similar success. We've had, you know, and there's just no shortage of stories in aviation. And uh, I think a lot of people tend to focus on the piloting aspect, but we've found some of the best stories are from cabin crew or from some of the support personnel in the airport. Yeah. You know, and they're and they're certainly not used to uh, being in a public forum like this. And you know, they they, they try to ask what are we going to talk about? Let's script it out a little bit. And, and and we found the same success you guys have, which is it's okay. We're just going to talk like we're sitting here having a beer and it's going to be great because you're interesting. So I love it. I love what you guys do. One of the questions I I wondered actually is, I I mean, uh, and I, I, because the aviation industry has had, you know, an, a ridiculously tough, um, you know, 18 months, I think it's fair to say. And it's yeah. uh, one of the biggest challenges that we've had is to try and filter out as some of that because we, we all know bad things are happening, uh, you know, and the challenges of trying to find things that are interesting, um, you know, without all, all the sadness mm. and doom and gloom. I mean, that must have been a real challenge for you guys as well. Yeah, I, I mean, especially since all of the work that that we've done as flight writer 24 outside of the podcast ha- has well the past year the previous 12 to 18 months i mean had just been you know things are getting worse and and here are some t- here are some statistics to tell you exactly how worse they're getting yeah. <laughs> um and and that that's been real tough but i i think that on the podcast we've tried to find more personal stories mm. that allow, you know, j- that aren't just the airline industry or yeah. aren't the aviation industry, but are, you know, people make up this industry. There are, there are, you know, hundreds of thousands of and millions of people really around the world who, who make up the industry. Let, let's talk to them and see how they're doing yeah. um, and, and go from there. You know, it, we know people aren't doing great, but let's talk about, you know, let's put a human face on that a little bit. Yeah, the interviews that we've done over the past, I, I guess, wow, year at this point have really <laughs> helped us balance out the the good and, and the bad, because there are definitely a number of times where we're right up against the show, we're preparing for it, and we're, we're searching through Google News, like, come on, something good has to have happened in the last two weeks, something is out there. <laughs> and more often than not, it ends up being the interview that we do is that good thing that we cover for that episode. 
Jason, on your uh, the side of aviation that you work within, obviously Nev, our, our awesome host there on the show with us here, is a big fan of BA. And Nev is, you know, is our president of BA as such here. <laughs> um, have you had the uh, the opportunity to fly with BA? And if you have, how does their product compare to obviously your biggest legacy carriers in the US? Oh yeah, I, I've flown BA um, plenty of times from the 747 to the 380 to even uh, the little A318, rest in peace, uh, being chopped up in the next couple of weeks, I think. Um, I have not yet had a chance to fly BA's new business class product that's out there on, I think, the uh, some of the 777s and I think the 7810s because they don't really come to New York and I haven't flown in 400 and something days since they've actually been flying. Um, the old product, I have feelings about it, the, the yin-yang uh, staring contest with the guy sitting in front of you and you, know, you go and push that little button and the divider goes up. It's of probably the most awkward thing you can do as an airline passenger is is have that face off of who's going to hit that button first um but th- there's definitely some some worse much worse products out there than ba and their new stuff looks really really good and i hope to one day fly it if i'm ever allowed back over to the uk as an american <laughs> always welcome as far as we're concerned that i can thank you <laughs> not that i have much say in it i have to be honest <laughs> Just, you know, there we go never have you ever heard of bungie in suffolk no. Uh, <laughs> no 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 one's heard of where we live matt honestly oh they have heard about it because there's a gap in coverage for flight radar 24 right oh <laughs> Is there? Oh no! Don't hmm. excite Carlos, please. Absolutely. Uh, APG, the airline pilot, uh, shy, uh, shy. No, they're not shy at all. John. The airline pilot guy. Uh, we're just saying there, uh, John. If you can just pop that back up, he says uh, saying that Acme Airlines is the best US airline. No contest, apparently. I, I, I don't know what he means by that. Yeah. I get it. Don't worry. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> That's good. Um, but it's hey. good that, that you guys track that because a lot of times, well, mm. I, I'd say what, twice a year, Carlos, we do a top 10 uh, yeah. airline ratings, things like that. And sometimes, you know, it's a it's a it's a public article that we've we've pulled from some source and and we read it and then we all kind of scratch our heads and go, man, how did how did they come up with this list? Because. I don't know. Well, it's all personal, down to personal preference, what you like, what you might not like. Some people love that BA seat. I I hate it. I love Delta's new seat. Other people think it's too narrow or too short. Um, It it really, it comes down to the individual, what you like or what you don't like. So I I think when you read those stories of like, here's the top 10 best airlines in the world determined by like the intern that works at the point sky or something like that has no value to me as the individual, but it's a decent article, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. As long as he's speaking from personal experience, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. So where, where is it that you guys want to, so here's 2021, everything's better now and everybody's superhuman. Where, where do you guys want to take the show this year? Anywhere, literally anywhere. Outside of the view that you see behind me (laughs) away from this. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah we 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 actually had uh we had some really we had some really nice things planned for the spring of 2020 and and that turned out not not great uh one of the things that we wanted to do um that we kind of have to reconfigure and see if it's even possible and or when it'll be possible we were going to race each other around the world how um, cool is that all right and we were gonna we were gonna start and end in the same place but how you got there uh it wouldn't matter uh so we were gonna i was jason was a little um 
less in on this uh, because I wanted it to be more of a surprise for him. Uh, but we, we were kind of kind of come up with the checklist. Like he, he's to, not finding out now, one. is he? Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm finding out again now. Right? Yeah, <laughs> he's, it's been so long. And uh, that's we, and that's we, why we the chemistry do, yeah. is so amazing, isn't it? They li- they're like a married couple. They don't tell each other yeah. anything. Yeah, <laughs> but what, J- what Jason what Jason doesn't know is that when when uh, he gets over to this our side of the world, Ian's booking him on all the Ryanair flights. Oh right, okay. <laughs> Only if I get to fly uh, fly EasyJet back. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry. Do carry on. We went on a slight tangent there. Yeah. We'll take it. But uh, yeah, but that that was one of the that was one of the big things we were going to work on, and we were going to go to some other places to to talk with um, airlines, and we were going to do an airframer tour. But uh, those things have kind of all been you know put on pause or or shelved for now uh at this point yeah we we would take anything we're we're actually gonna see each other uh not for a podcast but for a hot dog uh come (laughs) come next week uh so uh so i'm I'm sure we'll we'll get up to no good there but uh but yeah like i said anywhere we'll we'll take the show anywhere right Mm -hmm. well i mean i think the same it's the same for us actually because it's like the community actually is what what we is why we give up our 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 private time if you like to to do that because (laughs) the community is amazing and that is one of the things that i'm absolutely missing uh is is that that interaction with the community like one-on-one like when you turn up to an air show and um you know and you get a chance to sort of chat with people i mean that that that's something that we look forward to so much yeah and by and by all accounts it seems that uh well sun and fun is happening right now so Mm. um i think my brother said he was heading that way but uh it seems like oshkosh is happening and the reno air races are happening so aviation is awakening again this year and uh well hopefully we'll see you guys there so guys we've got some questions from the chat room we're going to fire at you we've got my first one from lee davies here uh says how excited do you guys get when you hear the antonov 225 will be flying and do you personally track it yes Yep, absolutely. I, I I hope one day I get to see it in person, and it comes to somewhere around where I live, and I can actually see it personally. But yeah, how could you not track that thing? Yeah, yeah it's it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just just look up. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's that that's a big one. Both, I mean, personally, uh, just to to see where it's headed, and and the fact that it can get in the air, uh, but also also one to make sure that the 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 uh, the site is, you know everyone's following it and, and things like that because that's always a big one for everybody uh lane street is asking um are you guys pilots in your spare time <laughs> oh, spare time okay <laughs> what, what's that exactly Free yeah. time. so that that is a that is a concept i would love to have someone explain to me right uh <laughs> no no uh would i don't like think jason be? Jason might be a secret pilot. Um, I might be, but I, I'll never tell. Yeah, I'm quiet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I, I plan. I plan on. Uh, I plan on on getting my license. Um, that that's one of those uh, when the kids are a little bit older uh, things on the list. Um, when, mm. Once we get them, uh, you know, further into school. Uh, Dirk S asks another a technical question: uh, ah. Will satellite-based ADSB replace terrestrial feeder in the future? Where uh, where is that technology heading? Uh, no, satellite-based ADSB will not replace terrestrial uh, in the future. It is a great complement 
but it's not a great replacement. Um, terrestrial data is still extremely important, uh, if only to have multi-source, uh, especially on something as important as ADSB data, as it becomes more of a surveillance technology used by uh, navigation service providers. But uh, there's also a lot you can do with terrestrial receivers that you can't do with space-based receivers because they're moving, the, the space-based receivers are, are moving. Um, so things like MLAT become uh, a very difficult, so, so basically a triangulation technology uh, for anyone not familiar, that becomes impossible with with, uh, with satellites, and it's a, a good check on the technology to be able to to do that with uh, with the receivers. Plus, the the cost of of having a, a satellite network uh, versus terrestrial receivers um, is orders of magnitude higher. Uh, so, being able to deploy lower cost receivers in, in places um, is to be able to to saturate the coverage is, I, I think, one thing that that's not going to go away uh, ever and certainly not quickly. Jason, we're going to direct this question at you, I think. Uh, Bob Croman says in the chat room, uh, JetBlue Transatlantic, any thoughts? Oh, yeah, I have lots of thoughts. Um, I would <laughs> like to be on the first flight, but again, there's that whole matter of I'm not allowed to believe the country as an American or go anywhere interesting. Um, it looks like an amazing product. I was actually on the very first Mint flight uh, originally, almost like eight years ago or something like that at this point. Um, so it, it really, to me, looks like a, I'm not going to say a revolutionary product, but it, it is very highly competitive to uh, what else is flying out to London. I would love more than anything else to know which airport JetBlue is going to operate to, whether it's Heathrow or Gatwick or wherever. Um, but as I will hope that my first flight over the Atlantic is JetBlue in that new mint seat because it looks really good. And uh, one from Captain Cruz um, is saying, actually quite an interesting one for all of us who've got the app on our phones and stuff. Um, are there any new features that uh, FlightRadar24 are looking to add to the offering? Yes. Uh, let, let's, let, I'm trying to think what I can talk about that's far enough along that I can talk <laughs> about, uh, that, that I won't get in trouble with the developers going, no, we're not ready for that yet. Um, <laughs> We uh, So right now we're working on a lot of incremental stuff, uh, kind of standardizing across the platform. We released the, the new, uh, new web um, on, uh, uh, well, it was a, a few months ago now. Uh, so on the new, um, the, the new website to kind of match the apps and things like that. Uh, one of the things that we're, we're working on to bring to the apps is, is a better individual playback um, to, to kind of complement the, the history that's available there. Um, and then a lot of the things that we're working on to, to kind of standardize uh, more, uh, kind of make it feel the same, whether or not you're using it on the web or, or in the app and, and bring more data to everything. Uh, so we'll have kind of additional um, ways to, to save and view what you care about the most. Uh, so you'll be able to, to dive right into uh, what you what you want to see, whether it's airports, airlines, uh, and, and things like that. And we're going to make everyone listen to the podcast once through before they're able to track a flight, <laughs> well, too. So that'd be great for us. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Right? Yeah, definitely the way forward. <laughs> so I'll ask, uh, Philip in the chat room asks, what was the most tracked flight last year? And then I'll piggyback on that. You mentioned mm -hmm. the Antonov. What are the most tracked aircraft, if Ooh. you know? That's uh, so the most tracked flight last year is not one I know off the top of my head because there there weren't really 
we didn't really have many that, that were were huge uh huge actually i take that back last year was 2020 i <laughs> i blocked 2020 out of my mind yeah, just yeah, gone I, back to 2019 um i don't blame you good call yeah so the the most track flight uh, of last year was the um turkish airlines uh flight that drew the turkish flag over turkey um that was uh that was almost two million people watched it live oh wow Wow. Uh, so so that was a that was a really big one uh i mean they they did a really uh good job on their end of of promoting what they were doing so so that's where a lot of the um a lot of the traffic came from for that i mean from a from a technical Um, aspect does that the when stuff like that happens where there's a big event like that are you saying there's like over two million people suddenly bombard your website slash services to to monitor i mean that must be that must cause some technical issues as well when when you get a massive load like that it it had it has in the past uh we uh I, i don't know if anyone remembers i think it was april 2019 when there was an air canada 767 that uh that flight had, yeah yeah it had to dump fuel or not dump fuel because it couldn't it was like an it eight hour fuel cold, yeah right? so so they they flew it it was like yeah it was nearly an eight hour flight from from madrid to madrid um and the sustained load on the site uh eventually uh, buckled it so um so we we've been tested under fire and learned a lot and and so now the the scalability of the site uh, I, I think is one of the things that, that we really pride on ourselves uh, to be able to to handle that because we know that usually it's when something bad is happening mm. um, we're, we're gonna get you know a, a crush of traffic so so being able to handle that that rush um, is uh, is something that we've we've learned uh unfortunately yeah. the hard way yeah I, th- I think that's how we all do it that's how we all learn isn't is it? Isn't that how anybody learns anything? Yeah, yeah absolutely oh dear the site's gone down we need to fix it quick yes now armando um before we uh let our guests uh, get back to their because i know jason you've got to uh get back to your your work your job uh but uh, armando you've got a question to ask both ian and jason haven't you is this the question the question. The question. All right. Well, because we have we have we have two two guests on. One of you is going to have an advantage to think about it. But uh, the one question that we ask everybody that comes on the show is: if money was no object and you could fly or fly on any aircraft in the world, past, present, or future, what aircraft would that be? SR seventy one. I don't even have to think about it. Damn. All right. <laughs> wow. Done. Okay. So I, I, like, I, you didn't even give me a second to think about no, it. You didn't no, even I ask mean, this question. <laughs> I was going to say Concorde, but the SR-71 goes faster, so I, I right. want that. Okay. Oh, so, so, sorry, excuse, excuse <laughs> the, the non-nerd here. Exactly. So what what is it that, that gets you so excited about the SR-71? What is it that makes you go, wow, yeah, I want to fly on that? Well, I, it just, I mean, the, the thing about the SR-71 that, that gets me kind of so fascinated is the the technology that they were able to come up with in the time period they came up with it and, and to to take the engines that were available the the technology that was available uh you know kind of weld together the, this leaky hulk and then as soon as it got airborne it turned into this amazing machine that could not be caught wow. uh, and and to me that that is just you know so and to be able to see the you know to not have to go to space to be able to basically see earth from space. I mean, it, that, that just seems 
like a lot of fun. Yeah, very cool. I, I, oh, I, I, would you, so are you both in agreement there now? As I say, we we switched from from. <laughs> I'm, I'm railroaded, Jason. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sticking with my answer. Concord yeah. all the way. <laughs> now, actually, uh, we could we could flip it the other way, of course, because because um, if you've got any questions, Nev has actually been a passenger on Concord. Mm, yes, ah. my, my first ever flight uh, when I was um, what, wow, 15, no, uh, fourteen years old. Yeah. Uh, very wow. my, uh, my you can't you can't really go up from the, i mean I, I feel like you're you're, you're spoiled on your at, first at 14 yeah, that's <laughs> it i'm done the, the he's been trying ever since three, uh, three three years later was a 737 200 from luton so <laughs> oh oh my <laughs> oh, oh dear an understatement <laughs> how very sad yeah <laughs> oh dear well listen guys it's been such a pleasure to have you on the on the show thank you so very much for joining us but before you go, Ian and Jason, just give us uh, a, a benefit of the listeners who may not know, where can they find you, your guys' podcast and, uh, you know, everything about Social you? media links and Social and media, sort of thing, yeah. website. Sure, anything. sure. The, the, so the podcast is called AvTalk, A-V-Talk. Um, it is found wherever fine podcasts are found, uh, iTunes, Spotify, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you go to the uh, main Flight Radar 24 page, flightradar24.com, and then click on social and click on the AvTalk button, and you can uh, download, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera, from uh, whichever podcast catcher you enjoy. Well, Ian and Jason, uh, could I say a big thanks from all the team here at Plane Talking UK. Thank you for for taking time out of your day to come and join us on the show this evening. And uh, yeah, all the very best for the future. And if you don't already listen to the show, guys, take yourselves over to and listen to Av Talk, downloadable via iTunes and many other platforms. Mm-hmm. So thanks, guys. All, all the very best and uh, yeah take care and we'll uh, look forward to having you perhaps back on uh, the show in the future we haven't scared them off that is uh, <laughs> yes uh, yeah so next, so next up we're going to go to the plain truce this week uh, i'm asking the questions to al as always about the differences between captain and first officer and how one would basically transition into becoming a captain <laughs> Welcome to another Plain Truth, and this week we're going to be learning about the differences between the captain and the first officer. Joining me, as always, is the legend that is Captain Al. Hi, Captain Al. Hi, Matt. So, I've always wanted to know, I mean, I know initially that the captain is in charge and the first officer is their second in command, but what are the differences between the captain and the first officer and what their roles are really as far as uh, the airline is concerned? And also, uh, as a first officer, how do you go um, from that to becoming a captain? I mean, is it is it additional training, etc., uh, etc.? Et okay, so let's start off uh, at the very beginning of your statement then. So the captain's not in charge, the commander of the aircraft is in charge. And the reason I say that is that you may well have a flight with more than one captain on board. Oh. So uh, the captain is a rank, but the commander is the legal position. So if you look at very long flights, uh, say, for example, uh, flights that are being done at the moment where uh, carriers are going from the UK to China, loading up with cargo and then coming straight back. So nobody's going off to hotels, etc., etc. There will be more than one operating crew on the aircraft. 
uh, perhaps two or three in fact, there'll be several captains, that's a, a rank within the airline, but there will only be one commander at any one given time. So it's the commander who's legally in charge of the aeroplane. Now, typically in civilian aviation, that will be someone holding the rank of captain. Um, in the Air Force, the commander of the aeroplane may not be the most senior person on board, but we'll, we'll stick to civilian uh, for the time being. So the commander's uh, in charge. So captains, senior first officers, first officers, second officers, they are all, if you like, various grades within that airline. So uh, all airlines will have captains, not airlines will have senior first officers, first officers, second first officers. They're just different names. So in some sort of South uh, East Asian airlines, uh, say Cathay Pacific used to have second officers, first officers, senior first officers, uh, and then uh, captains. So it's basically revolves around experience. What I need to say from the very outset is that all of these are pilots and they're all licensed pilots. They've all done the type rating. It's just about experience and time served within that airline if it's a seniority-based airline. If we start at the, at the lower rank, so second officer, that will be typically someone who is new to the airline, low in experience, and they will just really be operating the aeroplane in the cruise phase. So on very long flights, we've discussed before that crew members will need to take rests. They'll go off to bunks or seats in the cabin. So you'll revolve uh, you know, your crew members around. So the second officer will sit in one of the seats uh, for a section of the cruise phase. And it, that's, that's what they do. They don't do takeoffs, they don't do landings. Uh, then when you've got a bit more experience, uh, you'll get uh, promoted to first officer. And then you might be in a position where you can uh, be in one of the uh, seats in the front for a takeoff or a landing. And again, the, the, the way that different airlines handle this is, is all different. So it may be that when you've reached the level uh, that is appropriate for an upgrade to captain, you might hold the rank of senior first officer, or it might be based on number of years with the company or uh, how many hours you have on type. Each airline has its own way of doing this. Um, then you will be biding your time to get your upgrade to captain. So the process of upgrade uh, varies from airline to airline. So in some airlines, uh, you might have been achieving the standard required to be a captain for quite some time. And it's just that you're waiting for someone to retire or die to free up a slot in the left-hand seat for you to get <laughs> <Wow>. promoted, dead <laughs> man's shoes. If you're in an airline that doesn't have a seniority list and it's more a meritocracy, uh, you'll probably get a faster command. If you're in a uh, young and expanding airline, you're going to get a faster command. But as an example, the Australian airline Qantas, I know a guy who joined Qantas 25 years ago. And although he's more than capable, he is waiting for his upgrade slot uh, because the time to command prior to COVID was around about 26, 27 years. Wow. So what's involved in upgrading to captain? Well, quite a lot, actually. Uh, mainly because the airline entrusts to its captains a huge amount of responsibility. Um, obviously, you're entrusted with the lives of your passengers, but you're also making multi-million pound decisions. 
on a daily basis. So it's quite senior management level, really. So they want to make sure that when they give you this autonomy to go off to various parts of the world and make decisions on behalf of the company, that they can be reasonably confident that you can make those decisions. And of course, a lot of those decisions will have been made in the air where you don't necessarily have the capability to you know, phone a friend, take a 50-50, or ask the audience as to what you should do. It's on your shoulders. Now, of course, you can use all the resources available, you know, speak to your colleagues, you know, maybe organize a uh, SATCOM call, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately, it's you that's making the decision. So they want to have a careful analysis of what might be called the soft skills, because they know you can fly the aeroplane, because they're not going to give you the promotion if you've not been able to demonstrate that you can fly the aeroplane properly. So that's a given. So we're looking about all of the management skills and the decision-making skills. And key aspects are, what sort of guy are you going to be in the left-hand seat? Are you going to be a company man? Are you going to be a maverick? Uh, are you going to be a good leader? Are you going to be a dictator? Are you going to command the respect of your crew? Um, these are the sort of questions that are going to be asked of you. And, you know, they're, they're quite meaty, you know, sort of subjects. They're delving quite a lot into your uh, personality and your behavior. So the way that it tends to go in a lot of airlines these days is that there is quite a long assessment period. And even for airlines that have a very quick time to command, uh, you'll be assessed for your capabilities in the management role. So what they might do is when they're thinking about putting you for the upgrade to captain, they'll say, okay, blogs, what we're going to do is you're going to fly in the right-hand seat as you do normally, but I, as the captain, are going to take a bit of a back seat and you're going to, you know, run the show, albeit from, you know, the, the right-hand seat under supervision. And my best analogy for that is, I want you to imagine that you've been a passenger on a road journey. So someone's driven you from A to B countless times, but when you actually have to drive the car yourself from A to B, it takes a lot more effort to remember where you're supposed to be going, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you there. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we've been sat fat, dumb and happy whilst we've been driven from A to B. But now we've got to do it ourselves. It, it's all of a sudden a bit more tricky when I've done the journey as a passenger loads of times. Um, so what happens is that all of a sudden, really, um, the, the senior first officers, first officers, doesn't matter, suddenly get a, a little bit of a they get to dip their toe in the water and they, they suddenly realize that all of this stuff that they've just been watching and, you know, baby being involved with is a lot harder than it looks. Now I'm not trying to big the part up here. Um, but as a, as a captain, everybody tends to look at you and it doesn't matter whether it's a case of, well, the crew meals haven't arrived or we've got a passenger who's attacked another passenger or we've got a fire you get those same kind of looks and people are looking to you for answers, leadership, you know, calmness and to take responsibility. Um, what they don't want to see is, oh, well, you deal with it. I'm busy. Or, well, don't ask me. I haven't got a clue. We want to see captains who appear very much like swans. So all sort of calmness and serene on the outside. And it doesn't matter whether you're peddling like hell on the inside <laughs> underwater. People yeah. don't see that. So no. that, that's, that's what we're kind of looking for. It, it's, it's someone who is able to, to break things down, use all of the, the skills that, that they have to, to, to problem solve and deal with things. 
And there are occasions where um, when people have their upgrade, um, that the power goes to their head and they, 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 they turn into absolute complete dictators. So we try very hard to, to prevent that happening. So that's some of the processes that go through. And then there is quite a comprehensive assessment in the simulator where basically, having already demonstrated that, that you know your stuff, they, they throw you in just about everything that they can possibly think of to see whether you break, really. It's not so much about how you deal with the problem, it's can you deal with the problems? Have you got what it takes to just keep the thing flying, no matter what is thrown at you? You know, keep it away from the mountains, don't crash it into the sea, and just cope. And it's just to see how much you can be pushed, because people do break. Um, and it's to see whether you've got a breaking point that's, you know, acceptable, really. Um, and, and that's quite interesting to see, because quite often you'll be presented with scenarios that are quite a long way down the chain of likelihood. And you may have only seen this particular defect when you did your initial type rating, which might have been 20 years ago, uh, which probably is a good indicator of how reliable model aeroplanes are. So you've been presented with a, you know, a fairly unrealistic scenario that requires an awful lot of technical skill and an awful lot of management skill. Of course, you're not expecting a polished performance because you're, a, for want of a better expression, uh, potentially an inexperienced captain. But you're wanting to see that the right building blocks are there for the for the good decisions. Uh, does that help a little bit? Yeah, very much so. I, I think uh, it's safe to say then that perhaps all pilots don't necessarily suit the role of captain. Indeed, there are quite a lot of people who don't want the role. They're quite happy to be a pilot and to fly the aeroplane, but they don't want the additional responsibilities. And that, that's fine. Um, a lot of airlines kind of are a bit awkward about that, really, because they want to recruit captains. And ordinarily, you wouldn't go to a, a, an interview for a, a pilot's job in an airline and say, I don't want to be promoted. It doesn't necessarily display the right intent but once you're within an airline there are some people who go actually i just enjoy doing quite this happy. i'm quite yeah. happy being in the right hand seat i like flying the airplane i don't like the uh, challenges of the you know additional responsibilities and you know you have to deal with an awful lot of uh, sort of trivia niff-naff paperwork you know uh, lots of form filling when things happen and of course, you do take on board the, all of the legal responsibilities. If you're unfortunate enough to have a, a death on board, you're responsible for the paperwork. If you have uh, incidents with unruly passengers, well, it's you that's responsible for giving statements to the police and making sure that they're correctly worded, etc. So there is a lot to it, and it doesn't it doesn't appeal to everybody. And there are people who, uh, you know, go through the upgrade process and uh, fail and they will then go back into the right hand seat. And it may be that they subsequently are promoted when they've they've had a bit more experience and a, a bit more guidance or they just feel that it's not for them and that they'll stay there. And actually, some of those are really great guys and girls to fly with because they've got a wealth of experience um, and they're they're not trying to display their potential command capability to you so they're not 
not trying to uh, nip at the at the heels of the old guy that you know they're quite happy with uh, you know what you're doing and just put the odd piece of really useful information into the equation as always al fascinating many thanks it's a pleasure So it's time for the commercial news part of the show. So uh, if all the guys are ready. Ready to go? Yes. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> Blimey. <laughs> Honestly, you didn't give me a chance to change sources then. Blimey. <laughs> Oh. John's fault. John's okay, fault. fair enough. Right. <laughs> Off you go then. <laughs> you can you can start well, now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we weren't very enthusiastic about the start of all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, oh, that's my fault. I thought it was. I, I assumed it was Carlos. And here am I looking at the notes. Hang on a minute. No, it's Nev. No, I'm so no, sorry, yeah. Nev. I wouldn't have mucked about if I'd have known it was you. No, I do apologise. Why not? Why not? It's all good. Uh, now, this is an interesting uh, first story from businesslive.co.uk. Uh, the sale of Fly B has been completed, and the Fly B name could take to the skies again this summer after administrators uh, for the failed firm completed the sale of its business and assets to a new business. Uh, Exeter headquartered Fly B Limited collapsed in early 2020, but administrators at restructuring firm EY have completed a deal which will also see an uncertainty specified number of jobs transferred to a new company affiliated with investment advisor Cyrus Capital. The new company, previously known as Time Opco Limited, will now be renamed Flyby Limited and hopes to start flights in 2021. Uh, Flyby spokesman said, we are extremely excited to announce the conclusion of almost six months of dedicated hard work by the great team at Flyby, the UK Civil Aviation Authority, the European Commission and the many others who made this announcement possible. Today's news represents a critical first step in our mission to accomplish the first ever rescue of an insolvent British airline. Uh, while our company will initially be smaller than before, we intend to grow, uh, creating valuable jobs and making a significant contribution to essential regional connectivity in the UK and the EU. That's uh, some fantastic news, isn't it? Some really good news to hear that. And uh, I, I noticed that it had gone very quiet. So there's obviously mm. lots of negotiations going on. But uh, really, really pleased to say that they are going to be back in some shape or form. And we certainly need them for the regional operations yeah. in the UK and the uh, and the near continent as well. Because, I, I mean, I was saying in our production meeting, I was saying, like, because um, I, I sort of rather foolishly assumed that sort of Logan Air had picked up, like, a lot of the slack. But you were saying, actually, there is... They they picked up some of the routes, but there were still a lot of the sort of like essential travel routes that were, still weren't being covered. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's those sort of um, routes. You know, uh, I don't know where they're going to be doing, but you know, things like Exeter to Norwich, for example, right. okay. or Exeter to um, Aberdeen, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Inverness, those sort of places. So okay. uh, let, let's yeah. see what uh, what the route structure is going to be. Yeah, so, what yeah, comes into the schedules? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Yes, uh, story number two, uh, not quite the usual, uh, but uh, exciting news also actually uh, involving South and Southampton and the headline uh, from the Daily Echo 
says that uh, Southampton Airport runway extension plans have been approved. Uh, thanks to James who sent this into us via Twitter. Uh, so in episode 361, we ran a story where Eastleigh's local area committee uh, voted 5-3 to three against the 164, 538-foot, uh, uh, so 164 metres, 538-foot extension to Southampton uh, Airport runway. That decision was then brought to the full council, and in the last week uh, we've uh, seen that the full Eastleigh Council debate and listened to the public on the top topic. Uh, after 19 hours of deliberations at 2.15am Saturday the 10th of April, plans to expand the runway at Southampton Airport were given the green light. 22 councillors voted in favour with 13 against and one abstention. Uh, the debate centred around climate change and noise increases, uh, the use of the airport as a lifeline for the Channel Islands as well as the job creation and investment opportunities that the extension would bring. Uh, during the discussion, Steve uh, Sasley, who, who's the operations director at the airport, told councillors that it was a divisive issue. And while there were no, there was no denying a climate emergency uh, that could be tackled with technological solutions once a sound economy had been established. The jobs and the security created by the runway extension would lend itself to its goal. Now, I think we were talking. I think it might have actually been in 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 episode three six one. We were talking actually that. Maybe that is the future, isn't it? Is encouraging people to use their local airports rather than, um, you know, the, the, the sort of national hubs for for these for these trips. Maybe I mean I know Norwich do a lot of stuff where they fly into Schiphol, don't they? And then you can basically go anywhere else in the world from there, can't you? I mean, is is this something that some of the smaller regional airports could also be doing? Yeah, th there's certainly some of that, and obviously, yeah, serving you know Jersey and Guernsey, for example, as well. Mm. But also with a six thousand foot um, uh, runway, which they will have, then uh, that opens up some longer route possibilities, oh, okay. especially with the A three twenty and three twenty one Neo right. uh, aircraft, as an example, and probably the the Mac, the seven three seven Max as well, because they've got very good range and very good performance off of a relatively short runway. So I think that that could be another good. Uh, good mm. thing as well so you might see some uh, longer haul i mean not i don't think we'll see you know u.s routes right. going from southampton but certainly the the longer haul europe into europe factors. yeah yeah definitely yeah like it's quite it. a trek from me and you them at matt uh, no i know but you know it is I, I, again i'm just sort of, i suppose i'm just sort of trying to think from a from a regional airport point of view is you know airport point of view really to sort of encourage us to to I use them Southampton did ha used to have a lot of um, flyby routes to uh, Amsterdam as well. So yeah, mm. I think that's um, you know probably a good uh, good thing. So it's uh, yeah. yeah. Richard Adams is saying actually I think they have to extend towards the railway. Uh, doesn't add a huge amount, mind you. What a place to, to plane spot from. That's a good point, isn't it? Yeah, love it. <laughs> Yeah. So the next story comes to us from aerotime.aero and newsroom.aviator.aero. Uh, and uh, headline, LATAM Brazil to replace Airbus A350 fleet with Chilean Boeing 787. So LATAM are binning all their A350s off because they don't like them anymore. As part of its restructuring process, LATAM Airlines Group decided to retire uh, LATAM Brazil's 11 A350-900 airliners immediately. Actually, I think that was going to happen by the end of close of play today, if I remember rightly. It's also announced that all international routes to and from Chile will be suspended, allowing its 
with Chilean subsidiary Dreamliners to carry out long-haul flights to and from Brazil. Uh, in a letter sent to the company's employees on April the 8th, 2021, Latam Brazil CEO Jerome Cardier explained that seven aircraft were out of the fleet immediately, uh, with the other four due to be uh, following them by the end of the following week. The latest aircraft had been delivered on January the 8th, 2021. Uh, this sudden retirement means Latam Brazil's long-haul fleet is currently entirely um, uh, consists of Boeing aircraft, namely uh, seven 767s, six 777s, uh, but Latam Brazil has already filed a request for adding new aircraft models uh, and the Boeing 787 Dreamliner to the Brazilian National Civil Aviation Agency. The aircraft should be deducted from the fleet of Latam Chile, according to the local aviation portal Contato radar. From April the 5th, uh, to the 30th of April 2021, LATAM has suspended all international routes to and from Chile, with only a few repatriation flights remaining in operation due to the resurgence of the COVID-19 pandemic. Feel free to drink. Uh, in March 2021, LATAM announced it would auction seven of its aircraft, including two A350s, four 787s, and a single, uh, an 11 uh, single-aisle aircraft in an attempt to improve its financial situation. So just notes on the auction was due to take place on April 14th, 2021, and was organised by the Lesser uh, Skyworks Leasing in Ireland. Um, so, um, yeah, I see what um, there is. a. I mean, there's a part of the reason I think could be not just because they don't like the A350 anymore, but as a kind of cost-cutting measure, if you're going to have a, a fleet such as Ryanair, like what they do with the 737s, all Boeing fleet, you know, it's one aircraft, one aircraft type one maintenance kind of thing program um so. it's, a, it's a little bit interesting that it is a, a bit sudden but latam the the group is huge there's latam brazil chile colombia ecuador's latam express uh peru so that's pretty and they operate quite a few airbus 319s and 320s so uh it's just in, yeah it's just interesting mm -hmm. yeah i think they're just transferring from one to the another so sort of retirement retirement more like reallocation <laughs> yeah so armando sticking with you and uh, cheap flights yeah speaking of airlines and uh april 8th avello airlines announced its debut making it uh, okay we're going to use quotes first mainline u.s carrier to launch in nearly 15 years uh, end quotes. That's uh, the Houston-based ultra-low-cost carrier will officially begin operations out of Hollywood Burbank Airport. Ah, weird. I was just there on April 28, 2021. Avello Chairman and CEO Andrew Levy is confident that a pay-less-travel-more business model is the incentive that cooped-up travelers are looking for. He says people are ready to reconnect with family and friends and explore new places. 11 nonstop routes between Burbank and, quote, Markets across the Western U.S. will start at the end of April for as little as 19 U.S. dollars. Uh, I think that's what, about 12 pounds or so? Something like that. Yeah. 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 Uh, Levy told Flight Global on April 9th that the first day ticket sales revenue exceeded several hundred thousand dollars. Uh, most of that $19 fare is actually government taxes and airport fees. The base fare was a whopping $4.28. Steady. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Levy knows that he cannot run a profitable airline on fares under $5. Uh, low fares 
drive a ton of awareness, but if you offer stupidly low fares, even more so, <laughs> he says, uh, clearly these are not sustainable prices, but we are not going to need that same kind of revenue as others uh, need to make their numbers work. Uh, Levy was previously the co-founder and former president of Allegiant Air and ex-chief uh, financial officer at United Airlines. Uh, when asked about his timing for launching an, a new airline, Levy said, in essence, one of his major motivating factors is that pre-pandemic, the country's top 10 airlines had not been playing fair. When all 10 incumbents are all making money year in, year out for 10 years straight, that tells you something. To me, it tells me there's not enough competition out there. It's as simple as that. So there you go. You can uh, book these flights at aveloair.com. So now, I mean, we're quite lucky here in the UK, aren't we? Because I mean, I, I often read a story where we're basically taking the mickey out of Ryanair week in, week out. But actually, we're, we sort of really are quite lucky that we have like, we have both, don't we? We have EasyJet, we have Ryanair that, you know, that are really offering very, very low rates of, of flight. I mean, and I've taken, I mean, I think when I went with Owen to Toulouse, I think we were paying like £20 each way or something stupid, uh, something stupidly cheap like that. And, um, it's crazy, isn't it? And I almost find it unbelievable that there isn't a similar model in the States, given how uh, how much the US relies on flights. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and, you know, so here in Charlotte, North Carolina, I have only two extremes. I can either book on American Airlines, if I happen to book something on, on Delta or United out of Charlotte, but really anything to get anywhere is going to be on American or the complete opposite extreme is I can fly on Allegiant with no services whatsoever um, out of a remote airport here in Charlotte. Um, yeah, we just don't have that middle ground um, no. in many of the cities. If you live in New York City, sure. If you live in Boston, but if you live in St. Louis, Missouri, you're kind of stuck. You know? Yeah, yeah, true. So moving on to the next story, Nev, uh, it's good news from BA. Yes, it is. Pleased to uh, read this out, actually. it's uh, these, these stories have been on uh, simpleflying.com, bloomberg.com, and on Sam's site, on uh, samchewy.com. And uh, it says that Sean Doyle, Chief Executive Officer of British Airways, on Wednesday reaffirmed his plans to return the Airbus A380 to service as the airline gets back on its feet. Talking at a Kappa live webinar, Doyle revealed that the British flag, flag carrier remains committed to the Airbus A380. The A380 works very well for British Airways, he said. We do have a base for the A380. It's in our plans, even on the east coast of the US and uh, even into Miami, we found that the A380 works very well. Clues about the airline's commitment to the A380 are also shown through their storage activities. BA has been cycling all of its A380s to Heathrow for regular maintenance. If BA wasn't, uh, weren't reasonably convinced it would fly the A380 again, these maintenance costs wouldn't make sense. However, in contrast, Lufthansa has been sending its fleet to long-term storage with the latest one, uh, Delta Alpha Indigo Mike Echo, uh, departing Frankfurt this morning for Spain. Uh, Lufthansa Group CEO Carsten Spohr has suggested several times that the giant may not return to the skies for Lufthansa. Qantas's uh, CEO Alan Joyce 
also said at the same webinar event that we think uh, we will reactivate all of our A380s. We spent a lot of money on them. Once demand is there, they're going to be a good aircraft. Uh, elsewhere, Dubai-based giant Emirates is echoing Doyle's views. In a recent interview with Simple Flying, Sir Tim Clark said Heathrow slots are restricted. Hong Kong slots are restricted. Every single major hub is restricted on slots. So if you want to put a 787 in there on a Heathrow slot where you could put a 517-seater uh, A380 in there, it doesn't take long to get to the max on that. Uh, however, lastly, um, uh, Qatar CEO Akbar Al-Bakar in an interview with Sam Chewy had some very different views. He said that there's no future for the A380. It's the wrong aeroplane at the wrong time. It's very quiet and it's very spacious, but at the end of the day for the operator, it's really painful to keep them in the skies. I not only think that the A380 is an inefficient aircraft, but some people are still bragging that they're going to start operating it and that's going to be uh, that's sorry it says uh, that it's going to be a very profitable profitable aeroplane let's see how long that will they will be able to sustain that after the pandemic so I think there's uh, several schools of thought there aren't there but it will be very interesting I just wonder whether BA might try it on some of those other routes that they've been trying uh, larger aircraft on uh, not just the US ones but some of the, you know, perhaps some onto, into Athens, for example, uh, something like that, and maybe yeah. sell some um, tickets because it's all about the revenue at the moment. Mm. So the, the, mo the more people then get on, the better. So let's so, see what I mean, uh, what routes they end up. When we were with. having our chat with uh, Michelle last week, actually, and one of the people in the chat room is where I heard that rumor from that you know some airlines were planning on sort of bringing the the A three eighty back into service, and part of me was quite surprised to hear that, but. Um, yeah, sort of. Given given what you're saying there, it's um, I'm surprised BA are the ones doing it. If I'm honest, mm, yes, I think they've they've probably got to do something different to the other major airlines like KLM, uh, Lufthansa, and Air, Air France. Uh, certainly in in you know the near European region at least. So and, uh, and, yeah, let, let's see what uh, what routes they come back with. Well, and the same with Emirates, isn't it? With their A380s, I mean, people have a lot of love for maybe not so much from a cabin crew perspective but i know a lot of passengers have a lot of love for the a380 mm. and and it's sort of how what a comfortable flight it is and, and i remember i think it was the ceo of emirates saying if you're going to operate the a380 you've got to operate a lot of them and uh, yeah. of course from the point of view of where they're positioned geographically in the world it, 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 yeah. it it's perfect uh, yeah. for, for that so yeah actually indeed. matt you're right in what you said there there's a lot of people as well who are very um, excited about Emirates' new premium economy mm. um, cabin that they they've got in the 380. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not surprised these are just in in sort of hindsight. I'm not surprised that these are the two airlines that uh, that are doing it. Apparently, we've got a comment from Richard Adams in the chat yeah. room. Which Richard says, wonder if there would be any scope for an ultra cattle class on an A380 to really pack it densely. Probably not for long haul though. I mean, it's rated up to 800 people, I'm being told, in my ear, which is 811, which is, sounds like a Cock, frightening Can you imagine number. that, Nev, on yeah. a BA 380 with, <laughs> with, with you, you and uh, 600 other 
or 699 other passengers on board. Uh, no, I shall not be taking that flight. Right, OK. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. OK, on to <laughs> the next story. And uh, the headline on this is uh, South Africa's newest airline, Lyft, launches dog-friendly flights. Alfie? Hmm, now, I've got... Like, yeah, I, OK, well, I, I'll, I'll discuss my reservations in a moment. Uh, but uh, South Africa's newest airline, Lyft, has launched a dog-friendly uh, aircraft... Uh, flight offering uh, allowing customers to travel with their small dogs on board in a pet friendly carrier uh, bag placed under the seat in front of them uh, to qualify small dogs need to be at least 10 weeks old and able to fit into a dog carrier bag no bigger than 28 centimeters by 20 centimeters by 45 centimeters and no heavier than eight uh, kilograms uh, to ensure that they fit under the seat the cost of the dog friendly booking blocked off seat will be equal to the fare paid by an accompanying adult uh, Lyft co-founder Jonathan uh, Ayach, sorry if I got that wrong, said uh, as a customer-focused airline, Lyft was flexible to changing the needs of our travellers. Uh, a- a many loving porants, I see what they did there, uh, can't always take their pet, uh, make use of pet hotels, family or friends to look after their pets. Moreover, they want to keep their four-legged family family members to uh, be included when they travel. And this has up till now not been possible when travelling by plane. Uh, only two dogs are allowed to travel per flight on selected flights. Customers travelling with their dogs will need to purchase an additional window seat that will be blocked for the pet in specific zones and the accompanying pet owner will need to be seated in the adjacent middle seat now there is actually a, a picture that uh, john has given us regarding the layout of it um it's not uh, yes yeah, so i sort of like what they did there so there's only a couple of sort of areas where you can do it i mean now I, genuinely uh, one of my uh, reservations with this believe it or not actually is to do with my little jack russell who would fit into that category of being um, small you know, dog, small dog, and able to go into a carrier underneath a seat. Um, we'll gloss over how much he weighs, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he would be abs- genuinely, he would be absolutely terrified. So, with all these um, kind of things, animals or dogs being on the flights, there's a comment in the chat from Lee Davies who says, uh, "Will it be straw and just relieve yourself as and when?" I kind of. See his point. A straw, but that's more of a, a farm animals kind of thing. I wouldn't have thought a dog would. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you quite often have to have a pad in the bottom and stuff. But I mean, yeah, again, genuinely, I mean, again, if you, if he, loud noises near my dog and he will wet mm. himself. So I mean, whilst it, in theory it sounds like what a. My cats. Can you can can you imagine can you imagine Poppy on a on a on a flight with her daddy? I can't see that personally. Can you imagine Poppy sat mm. two rows across from Alfie on a flight? <laughs> Good point. Good point. Well, no, I mean, Alfie is used to cats because yeah. he has Mima. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, he's very, very used to that. But uh, yeah, I, I say I've got reservations on this mainly because the noises are so strange. And if the dog isn't used to it, I mean, you may be lucky that your dog isn't terrified of anything. But yeah, anyway, we're being told we need to move on. So um so yeah. for uh, for uh, us as uh, 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 us as geeks uh, around the world, love to stand at airports and smell that 
beautiful smell of jet A1 fuel um, burning from the aircraft. But right. how about standing behind an Airbus Beluga super transporter and smelling cooking oil? Uh, this one comes you, from Dside. <laughs> I know from Dside.com and the headline: Airbus Beluga super transporter makes first flight from Broughton using fuel made partly from cooking oil. So Airbus says it has taken the next step in reducing its industrial carbon footprint with the maiden flight of a Beluga super transporter using sustainable aviation fuel, or SAF, uh, from the aerospace company's Brighton plant. The Flintshire Line station, which uses the Beluga fleet to transport aircraft wings to Toulouse, Hamburg and Bremen, becomes the second Airbus Air European site to use SAF after Hamburg introduced the fuel to its cargo activities at the end of 2019. Sustainable aviation fuels are currently certified by regulators for up to 50% use in commercial flights. The Beluga fleet uh, operating from Brighton will initially be loaded with a 35% blend of non-fossil derived fuel set to reduce CO2 emissions by more than 400 tonnes over the next three months. Uh, the SAF used by the Beluga fleet is made from used sustainable feedstocks such as cooking oil and supplied to Airbus in Brighton by Hamburg Air uh, by AirBP. Uh, so here, Tony Derrin, Sustainable Aviation Fuels Project Manager for Airbus, said that combined with our ongoing research into the potential for 100% SAF in commercial flights, reducing fossil fuels in our own operations underlines Airbus's commitment to lessening the impact of our manufacturing footprint and contributing towards a more substantial and a more sustainable future for the aviation sector more generally. So what do we think, guys? Planes running on cooking fuel or cooking oil? I mean, there's plenty of it. Waste cooking oil around. Um, around I, I, I can speak uh, from personal experience in regard to uh, there was a phase where coaches did something very similar, mm. uh, where they were using it. And I must admit, my only lasting memory of that, shall we say, experiment um, was the smell. And it weren't great. I've got to be honest, <laughs> it was not a great smell. Now, we are talking a number of years ago when I had this particular experience, so maybe the refinement process is far more advanced than it was, um, and, and hopefully, but, uh, you know, uh, as uh, I think it was, uh, was it Captain Cruz that said in the chat room there, Beluga using fish and chip leftovers, quite fitting somehow. Um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I don't, yeah I, I don't know. I mean, it's great that they're using a, you know, a, a, a reusable source. You're right there, Carlos. You're Miles right. High says in the chat room, Sir, if you ordered two pieces of fish, we might make it to Spain. Right, okay. I like that one. Okay, fair enough. What do you reckon, Nev? <laughs> we can get some uh, cooking oil in the old uh, banana? Yeah, we, well, yes, that's that's right. I mean, it is. Uh, they do call it an oil burner anyway, don't they? So, mm, uh, right. uh, yeah, that is possible. Uh, I was just thinking, that, of course, uh, if um, Captain Al was involved uh, and we took this to Ooh, a stage blimey. further, he, he could probably power the APU just on his own, I would imagine. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's move on before we end up being sued, I think. Armando, uh, yeah. <laughs> you've got uh, uh actually you've got quite an interesting story which you'll probably have a lot of um uh, knowledge on, I would say. Yeah, who 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 messed with the teleprompter? Former military whirly thingy transformed to a commercial water bomber. 
that pretty much pretty much sums it up. No, just kidding. Uh, that is in the show notes. Colson Aviation debuted its newest aircraft in its aerial firefighting arsenal last week over the Alberni Fa- Valley. Uh, if anybody doesn't know, Colson Aviation is a, a longstanding uh, firefighting company, aerial firefighting. Uh, Chinook November 4-3 Charlie Uniform, a heli tanker, was just converted with Colson's RADS-L tanking system that allows it to carry up to 3,000 gallons of fire suppressant. It is Colson's fifth CH-47 in the company's fleet. It can fill its 3,000 internal tank, 3,000 gallon internal tank while on the ground or while hovering over a water source or a retardant source using its retractable snorkel hose. Uh, The complete overhaul and airframe conversion took place at the Alberni Valley Regional Airport in Colson's hangar. Uh, The Chinook left April 10th for Irvine, California, where we'll get a new coat of paint at the International Aerospace uh, Coating. Speaking of paint, I think Colson's aircraft are some of the prettiest and coolest looking aircraft out there. Uh, Colson's, what's that? I know. Agree- yeah. uh, we're agreeing. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't sure if you were agreeing, disagreeing, or it was just a slice of pizza. Uh, <laughs> it may have been a little bit of everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, the article goes on. Uh, this joins this uh, Chinook is is the fifth one. They've also got some UH-60 Blackhawks, uh, Citation 550, working for two different companies at four air bases. Um, these particular Chinooks have been loaded onto a cargo ship. Um, after working in uh, Chile, which we were just talking about Chile. Uh, they're going back to San Bernardino, California. Um, let's see, the uh, uh, president of the company says it was an opportunity for to integrate large aircraft into major fire operations within the country of Chile. Um, while flying in that country, each of these Chinooks and the Black Hawk flew with a pilot translator, whose job it was to translate the instructions from the aerial supervisor or the ground crews. Uh, a lot of the translators are highly experienced airline pilots who are a great help on the radios and navigating the flight paths to fire operations. Uh, Colson o- Aviation operates Chinooks, Black Hawks, uh, 737 Fireliners. If you haven't seen them, look it up. They're pretty cool. A couple C-130 Hercules, some uh, Sikorsky S-61s, S-76s, and I believe they use these for uh, charters, but they also have a Bombardier Challenger and a couple Cessna Citations, and then obviously two legendary Martin Mars aircraft, which are beautiful uh, seaplanes. Go over to their website. This was uh, on a couple different news sources, but if you just go over to ColsonAviationUSA.com, uh, it has a nice page on on their entire fleet. Very cool. Love it. There is something quite magical about the Chinook, isn't there? That that sort of it's it's that it's that even even for me as an as a sort of non-av geek that that's one of the few aircraft that i remember seeing and my first reaction was like wow that's cool and i think it's because you're the, the it's the two rotors isn't it the sort of you know you haven't yeah. got the the little one on the side and the, and the one on top you've got just two big ones on top yeah there's been a few uh really iconic helicopter helicopters in history and and the sky crane uh was was in the i guess 70s you know just really powerful super heavy lifting i think it still holds some world records for how much mm-hmm. it could lift but then that the chinook came around and just what a workhorse right the chinook horse is it, the chinook horse the chinook um can can carry so much cargo and and people and um 
and and there's some great videos of them flying at high altitudes, high density altitudes mm. too. So you can talk to 13, 14, 15,000 feet and those mm. guys are still working up there. Very cool. So Nev, you've got the next story, which um, is just making me feel hungry. Yes, it's a food uh, subject, whoop, which whoop. we always like talking about on this program. Um, it's on the feastbox.co.uk website, and it says, Are you longing for the days when you can set off on your travels once again? Yes, is the answer. <laughs> then why not recreate the magic of flying by cooking some of the finest dishes from British Airways' first cabin in the comfort of your own home? Here at Feastbox, we're offering a unique at-home menu of their most popular starters, main courses and desserts. All dishes have been expertly crafted using British Airways' catering partner, Doe & Co, and redesigned by Feastbox so that can, they can be easily enjoyed at home. The bulk of the main courses have been made for you, so everything comes together in no time. Each first dining experience box contains four courses and serves two people. Enjoy your choice of starter and main course, and there's a vegetarian option for each, as well as a cheese board and dessert. Also, inside the box, you'll find a unique voucher to save 10% off your next British Airways flight. Plus, if you order for delivery before Friday the 23rd of April, you'll also get a complimentary bottle of Hattingley Valley's British Airways exclusive sparkling wine. Mm. Now, I'm going I might give this a go actually, and I'll see how I'm going to have a um a look at it and see what uh, well, a how much it is. If it's more than, you know, the the 5 pound curry that we normally have on a Saturday night, oh. I might have to decline. <laughs> I, I did look early never and then they're a little bit Oh, more okay. than that. Perhaps you could do a Nev's Nev's food pa Nev's passenger food experience. Yes, that'll be the next thing. I'll put on even more weight. Uh, so I mean, uh, I think Nev's basically saying here he's willing to do it if we pay for it. Okay, we'll 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 <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll we'll we'll. I'm sure we can um, dip into the uh, yeah. to the uh, yeah. Patreon and and, and I'll and eat it live on air, shall I as well? Right. We'll okay, that'll be a treat. Yeah, absolutely. One that'll be nice. Yeah, that one that'll be lovely for everyone. It's it's one of the yeah. It's a, it's a it's, I, it's. I'll tell you what though. One thing I can tell you for certain: if they if it's given to me in a box and I've got to serve it, it certainly won't look as pretty as it does there on those plates. <laughs> that I can assure you, it'll be sort of more slopped into. Uh, but I must, I must admit the the pictures that are on the the link to that story. Um, you, were, I, I'm not going to lie. I'd probably want to go and have a KFC after I'd had that. Mm. Right, yeah, right. I've, I've got okay. to say, British, uh, British Airways um, portion sizes, certainly in business class, I don't know about first, but in business, they're pretty good actually. So um, yeah, I don't think you'll be hungry afterwards but um yeah they always make these the food look good for the photography don't they rather than for eating sometimes mm. can i just what? say that our, my, our chat room amazes us sometimes you know the story <laughs> we we're talking about a moment ago we were talking about the chinook and things like that and then look what's just literally appeared on our whatsapp number that was sent in by jonathan warner just now look and this was taken yesterday <clears throat> i should stress <laughs> and there he is look with a with a i mean honestly it's basically uh, live breaking news. Chinook takes to flight with minimal leaks. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is breaking news indeed. So thank you, Mr. Water. Thank you for sending that. It literally hot off the presses, and he he recorded that last night. He does have a job, I believe, doesn't he? But <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard of what I've heard of what Mr. Warner's job is, and trust yeah, me, yeah. he don't work. 
No, okay. Anyway, right. <laughs> Trains, I think. Anyway. I, I, I appreciate all the stories that he feeds my way because it makes me look better. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> and on that note, Armando, yes. you've got you've got the last story, which is a is a good news story. It is a good news story, depending on where you stand on this whole face mask uh, debate, I suppose, here in the United States. Um, a family was kicked off of a Southwest Airlines flight when their two-year-old son could not keep his face mask on, but a private pilot who watched the dad's Facebook post about the incident offered them a free round-trip ride, according to reports. Eric Harvey and his wife, Michelle, planned for their April 1st trip from Denver to Austin, Texas, by trying to get their son, Jackson, used to wearing a face covering, as mandated by regulations. Um, they said... I practiced with him for at least two or three times at the house and every time he threw it off. But I figured that Southwest would work with us on the plane because he's two. Uh, Jackson was wearing a mask when the family boarded. Eric, Eric said that everything went swimmingly until it wasn't when the boy ripped off his mask. The flight attendant came up to me and at that point, Jackson had taken off his mask. She said, I'm sorry, ma'am, you have to get off the plane. Your son needs to wear his mask. Uh, that's from the mother, Michelle. Um, after pleading that they could try to hold the mask up to Jackson's face, uh, I wouldn't su suggest that, um, the family said that they were, again, ordered off the plane. They told their story on a Facebook video, which James Peck, an old family friend and private pilot, happened to watch. Uh, Peck flew his twin-engine plane to Denver, picked up the family, and flew them to Austin at no charge. He also fly uh, offered to fly them back to Denver later. Southwest Airlines said, we regret the inconvenience this family experienced on their recent Southwest Airlines trip. However, federal law requires all customers aged two and over to wear a face mask while at the airport and on board the aircraft. It said the company's customer relations team reached out to the family to further discuss the situation. Hmm. <laughs> now, I'm a big fan of cabin crew and they do not have an easy job. Yeah. I absolutely will say that right up front however they handled this appallingly and it was such an easy win but they uh, just made a, a rod for their own back totally unnecessary in my opinion which yeah. is surprising because southwest are normally like one of well the nicest airlines we hear about on the show yes well you know like like uh, Nev said, it's uh, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place because a regulation is a regulation. If he's over two, and that's what but the I regulation. Th I, I think what Nev, Nev is saying is there, you know, there are ways that you can handle it, perhaps, and and maybe that's the issue here is that perhaps it wasn't handled in the best way, which is, you know, essentially generated all this hubbub. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you could go, you could argue either way with this one. Mm. Yeah, no, fair point. Fair point. There we go. Okay. <laughs> that is the commercial done. Uh, we'll be right back uh, uh, with the military in just a moment. Well, uh, welcome to our London studios. Uh, welcome to the A320 Lounge uh, webinar uh, tech presentation, um, obviously for the 320 series. Welcome to the A320 and 737 Lounge, bringing technical refresher courses directly to you. Using our cutting-edge broadcasting facilities, enjoy a fully interactive technical refresher course from the comfort of your own home. All of our webinars are live and you can ask your instructor a question at any point during the day. All of our instructors are highly experienced and can help you. No more expensive nights away from home, no new software required, just an internet connection. 
Courses are run at regular intervals, so check out A320 Lounge and 737lounge.com for more. Despite our best efforts at running late on the show, guys, if we still have a little bit of time for military, if you're ready, I'm going to have Matt hit the button. Oh, that's great. I wish the audience could hear what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Our first military story comes to us from ChannelsTV.com. Nigeria is expected to receive six of the 12 Super Tucanos ordered from the United States in mid-July, according to the presidential office. Uh, According to presidential spokesman uh, Garba Shehu, 14 Nigerian pilots are currently training with the aircraft at Moody Air Force Base in Georgia. Uh, In March, National Security Advisor Babangana Monguno had been quoted by the BBC as suggesting that funds for arms procurement had gone missing under under the immediate past service chiefs. Uh, The Office of the National Security Advisor later put out a statement saying that Monguno had been kind of quoted out of context but with an insurgency still alive in the country's northeast and the increasing threat of uh, banditry in the northwest, critics have continued to question how well equipped the country's military actually is. Uh, Mr. Shehu himself has admitted that the army has had some problems with procuring equipment as they arrive in bits and pieces. According to him, during an interview on Channel Television's uh, Politics Today, uh, procurements in the past have uh, not been fully delivered. He said in August 2018, when they allowed the Nigerian government to buy 12 Super Tucano aircraft suitable for the kind of operations and the war we're fighting in the Northeast, uh, it, he said, uh, in addition to that, other arms of the military have also made procurements. The Navy has done nearly 100% of their procurement and equipment been delivered. The Air Force has bought a number of attack helicopters. 35 from Ukraine. Uh, some of them have been commissioned on national television. Uh, we have brought bought a lot of drones, but with the army, there have been problems with procurement. Equipment has been coming in in bits and pieces. So this was uh, this article was uh, was translated, uh, I'm sure, from from their local news source. Um, but uh, yeah, the the Nigerian government has made some orders in the past, and and uh, some of those things. The funds have been allocated, yet not uh, not really delivered with the goods. So at least these six airplanes, and, and we've talked about the Super Tucano quite a bit in this light attack aircraft um, debate that the U.S. has been having, especially because this is the intent is to export it out to our partner nations. So, uh, John, ha- jo- John has a challenge for you, by the way, Armando. Uh, oh. Procurement, procurement, procurement. Uh, very, very good. Ah. <laughs> very good. I'm impressed. That backfired beautifully. Carlos, after you. <laughs> Blimey, I'm shocked. I, I'm not even going to bother trying. Um, this next story comes from breakingdefense.com. Headline Ukraine turns to West for fighters and plans to drop MiG fleet. Ukraine, faced with Russian troops on two fronts, has gone public with plans to buy combat aircraft that are not Russian-made. 
The venerable NATO partner plans to become independent of Vladimir Putin's military in a crucial domain. Unlike Poland, which has been operating mixed fleets of US and Russian-made aircraft, Ukraine is evaluating wholesale replacement of all of its Soviet-era MiG-29s and Su-27s. Jonathan Warne, you can almost hear him crying. Uh, <laughs> this would make Ukraine a more effective NATO partner, but defence analysts caution there are critical short-term issues which, could, which uh, should stop uh, and it should be a top priority for Washington's policymakers. Buying US aircraft would enhance Ukraine's inoperability with NATO, critically important for a nation that has uh, the longest border with Russia. But say retired Western military personnel currently advising Ukraine's armed forces, uh, DC policymakers will have to commit to an unprecedented level of support for this beleaguered former vice, uh, vessel state of Moscow. The first step is that the US transferring a large tranche of hardware to Ukraine, ASAP. One former UK officer here said then, uh, there is even more potential uh, politically unpalatable decision of placing a contingent of U.S. military personnel here in the Ukraine to conduct a years-long training program in how to utilize this new hardware. The proverbial boots on the ground. Uh, could this provoke Moscow? Yes. Uh, but with this country being surrounded by legions of troops and heavy equipment, the Kremlin acting like it's prepping for an invasion, uh, how much worse could the reaction from the Russians be? Arming the Ukraine with the latest variants of the US fighter aircraft will take a long time. A recent uh, op head by a long-time US analyst of the Russian military, Stephen Blank, proposed sending Ukraine F-15Cs and Ds, E-2Cs, 2000 Hawkeyes, AWACS and KC-135 airborne tankers immediately. There are excess defense articles, EDAs, aircraft now in storage in the US. The older F-15s could be upgraded, as they are being done for in Japan, and later supplemented with new build F-15EX models, which we featured, I think, on last week's show. Uh, this is not uh, lost on Moscow. Another nation has signed to produce, uh, procure, I should say, US aircraft, uh, but Bulgaria has just broken up a Russian spy ring charged with the collecting technical data for Russian intelligence and has booted some of Moscow's diplomats, a total of five uh, expulsions since October 2019. According to sources in Bulgaria, the data uh, included information on the F-16V Block 70, the latest generation model of the F-16 fighter, and its AN and APG-83 uh, AESA radar, previously selected for procurement by the Bulgarian Air Force. I'm just trying to think what age the uh, MiG-29s. The MiG-29s are fairly old um, technology now, I think, Armando, if I'm right in thinking. Oh, yeah. I think they've been around since the 80s uh, mm -hmm. operationally. Um, same with the SU-27s. I think they've been around for, for quite a while now. But, uh, yeah, you know, this just goes uh, that geopolitical spy versus spy game that continues on but uh, having a mixed fleet of anything and we were talking about having a mixed fleet of airbus and boeing is difficult enough but imagine having a half russian fleet and a half american fleet and uh trying to source parts and budget maintenance and even reading manuals you know some are some are in uh, in russian and some are in, in english and uh i think making a move like this to was probably just a, a, a more of a logistical thing of maintainability of these aircraft and interoperability with their NATO partners. So. 
Nev, you've got uh, uh, Wanaka update. Yes, good uh, good news from uh, the airshow Monica uh, on the warbirdsnews.com and it says that with the airshow world sensing a much hoped for return to normalcy beginning to arrive, legendary biannual Warbirds over Wanaka uh, International Air Show in Wanaka, New Zealand, is already making plans for their event over the Easter weekend of 2022, as their recent press release stated. Uh, this air show will be particularly special as it will help celebrate the 85th anniversary of the Royal New Zealand Air Force. While the 2020 air show was cancelled due to New Zealand being in COVID-19 lockdown, the 2022 event is already shaping up to be a must-see for all aviation enthusiasts and tickets have begun selling uh, as of March 15th. Uh, General Manager Ed Taylor says, following confirmation of the Royal New Zealand Air Force's presence, uh, that discussions are already underway with a number of international air forces regarding their participation at Warbirds over Wanaka 2022. It's hoped that a number of air forces will be in attendance, Taylor noted, and Warbirds over Wanaka has hosted the air forces of the United States, Australia and France over recent years. Their display adds an international wow factor. The crowds really appreciate and we're always grateful for the support that they give our event, he said. Uh, the Royal New Zealand Air Force is a regular attendee at Warbirds over Wanaka and is looking forward to putting on a significant display next year. Air Vice Marshal Andrew Clark, who's the RNZAF's uh, Chief of the Air Force, says that the ability to mark the Air Arms 85th anniversary at Warbirds over Wanaka is a great opportunity, noting that our personnel enjoy being part of the air show, involved in the flying displays and on the ground engaging with attendees. To be able to mark the, the, an important milestone date in our history at the same time is fitting and we're thankful to the Warbirds over Wanaka for this opportunity. So that's some good news finally for the airshow calendar for next year. Mm. Yeah, oh. that's right. That's like we were talking with the guys from uh, from the podcast that just can't wait. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, we'll just move on to this last story. This one is from warbirdnews.com. Uh, last Friday, the commemorative Air Force inaugurated the Henry B. Tippy National Aviation Education Center, named in honor of Mr. Tippy, who is a World War II veteran. Uh, it is the flagship of the American Air Power Heritage Museum. The NAEC is a 47,000 square foot facility at Dallas Executive Airport. It's dedicated to education with the mission to honor the past and empower the future. Providing opportunities for all ages and backgrounds, it includes hands-on educational displays and historical artifacts. Educational programs inspire and foster the development of 21st century employable job skills and career paths. With construction completed, and we've been following that for a little while, internal fit and finish activities are underway. While the facility is currently closed to the public due to COVID-19, uh, to limit the number of visitors at one time, uh, various educational programs are being offered to registered participants following CDC protocols. Uh, a statement by uh, Commemorative Air Force President CEO uh, Hank Coates says, thank you to the many of you who have joined us virtually for the ribbon cutting ceremony of the Henry Tippy National Aviation Education Center. Uh, next to CAF National Headquarters. If you couldn't watch the live streamed event, I encourage you to view the recording on our YouTube page. 
The ribbon cutting was a celebration of the countless individuals who helped bring the NAEC to life from the generosity of the family of the facility's namesake, Henry Tippy, and the many other founding donors to the tireless efforts of CAF general staff and employees. Uh, the NAEC is the fulfillment of a vision that began many, many years ago. The ceremony also has uh, was an opportunity to preview the Victor Agather STEM ed Innovation Hangar, the Brigadier General Charles McGee and Don, ha Don Hines uh, Theater, the gallery and an education wing that includes classrooms and workshop areas that will inspire and educate uh, generations to come. Uh, if you are interested in looking that up, go to flynaec.com and you can even donate uh, on their webpage. I know this sounds like it's for kids, but it's I, I would probably spend a couple of days there. <laughs> I was going to say, these, these, sorts of, yeah. these things are important, I think. Mm. I mean, Armando, you know, you've got a little in as well. I mean, and... that picture that they put out, the aircraft that they're keeping in that hangar in that mm. facility, ah, that's amazing. I would just love to just walk around them and love them and pet them and talk to them. <laughs> the airplanes. No, no, no. That uh, We assume that's where you were going with that. Yeah. that I mean, it, it is. I mean, a part of me is, you know, if restrictions do lift, you know, sort of May 17th, I think, is when the next set of restrictions lift here in the UK. And actually, I'm just really hoping that we have such a good summer like we did last year here because oh, yeah. actually um, a lot of us want to go to Duxford. A lot of us want to go to these various, uh, you know, Flixton Museum, all these bits and, you know, mm. bits and pieces. Because if we have a nice day, then we can almost sort of forget about last year. Do you know what I mean? Right. Sweep that on the carpet and never, you know, sort of pretend it never happened and, and, and move on. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, on the subject of moving on, that's it, guys. It's time to start wrapping up. But uh, we have got a little bit of something else to do, Matt. Don't, don't, God, blimey, we're not done yet. Uh, Armando, you had a bit of uh, fun, didn't you, with a certain um, airplane this week? I did, kind of speaking of warbirds, I was telling you guys in the pre-show. Um, so the, uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to start flying the, uh, the DC-3 uh, after I'm done with training. And I wanted to get it. Now, I've got uh, a little bit of tailwheel time, uh, mostly in Cubs. And I, I did those aerobatic lessons in, in an extra. Um, but I wanted to get into something that was challenging. Uh, it's a challenging tailwheel aircraft. And... Uh, other people had said that the Boeing Stearman, for as old as it is, is actually on a scale of one to 10, somewhere around the eight mark on uh, being challenging to uh, land and keep it straight, keep it on the runway, uh, and sometimes even taxi. So I was lucky enough to find a local um, a local Stearman, if that's, it's, if that's a thing. And uh, I called the owner up and said, hey, can I get checked out in the Stearman? Here's my intent. And uh, fortunately, he let me do it. So I managed to record a little bit of video. Matt, if you're uh, ready, let's play that out. Now that right there is just the sound of seven cylinders coming to life. This particular aircraft has a continental radial engine on it. The, the Stearman, as probably all our fans know, came with a bunch of different engine combinations from uh, Lycomings, the steer, uh, Continentals, and Pratt and Whitney's, and uh, but this was just a, an awesome airplane to fly, and and what a great instructor! He he really just took me through the whole uh, lesson plan of of taxiing first, and then taxiing at high speed with the tail on the ground, 
and then taxiing up and down the runway at even higher speed with the tail flying, uh, never actually taking off. We spent an hour and change just doing that, never actually getting off the ground. Um, and then he, he just did a, a wonderful job of explaining the the nuances of this aircraft. And and uh, we took it up into the air, did some basic air work maneuver. And while that was beautiful, as you can see in the video there, just it was a beautiful North Carolina day and and flying with that open cockpit was was wonderful. Um, but uh, but then came the hard part, which was doing the the wheel landings and uh, and the three point landings. Um, so we just spent a total of three hours in that airplane, uh, two tanks of, of fuel, and uh, yeah, it was it was challenging. But at no point did I scare myself. Um, it was just a, a great time and a, and just what an opportunity to fly such a classic aircraft. And uh, yeah, it was just awesome. What sort of um, crosswind limits are there for takeoff and landing for that for the Stearman Armando? Well, you know, we we I'm sure there's a demonstrated crosswind limit under the hands of a capable pilot. You could probably do 15, 20 knots, uh, probably even more. Um, I don't actually know the 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 book answer to the crosswind demonstrated crosswind. Uh, I know when I was flying that day, it got up to about 10 knots and it and it became challenging enough that we decided to call it a day. Um, now, part two of this of this lesson and this currency will be on uh, on Monday. So as long as the weather holds up, we're going to go back and do some, some more, uh, some more flying in that airplane. What a terrible, terrible life you you lead, Armando. <laughs> I was going to say. Oh, honestly. blimey! That the the scenery, that beautiful aircraft. Oh, I mean, goodness me, it's just, it's a blessed life, my friend, isn't it? It really is, and and I'm happy to be able to share it with all of you guys so are we yeah yeah no thanks for that that was that was fantastic what a real what a real joy to to, to witness that and it's uh now of course the, the only downside to that as you sort of alluded to there is that we're, we're not actually going to be able to have you for a couple of weeks are we because uh it's it's back to school for you mm. <laughs> yeah you know and and captain jeff i told you guys this week uh when he's when he had to learn a new airplane and right before he went into ground school and into the sim, um, he had to take some time off and I'm going to be doing the same. So right now I'm trying to finish up the, the steerman and then studying for the DC three. And that's a, a full type rating, um, with a lot of flying. And then in addition to that, we have to learn how to fly it on, on our particular mission application, which is not your traditional, just point A to point B flying, um, so for a couple of weeks, I'll be out in California. I'll be sending in segments as, as much as I can and, and, uh, and checking in with you guys. And of course I got to send in some video of that, that beautiful you airplane. Absolutely the must. Yeah, hundred percent. A hundred percent. Fantastic. Well, that's uh, well good. Uh, I mean, I'm going to say the words good luck, but I don't think you need it. I think, uh, you know, I, know, I know you've got lots of books to read and all that kind of thing, but if, uh, I, I can't wait to hear the, the, you know, the, the ne all about the next chapter. I, I'll be happy to share it with you guys. So just uh, before we finish the show, we obviously each week I've been running a caption this on our social media site, Facebook. And it's a little picture that I pop up uh, during the week and uh, let you guys and girls comment. And this this one gave me a headache. I've got to be honest. <laughs> and uh, Matt's going to put the picture up on the screen. For those of you who may not have seen it on Facebook, there is the picture on the screen for you. It's, um, uh, 
It's a uh, an Airbus uh, A340, probably a Dash 600, I would say. And uh, this one has, I think, I forget what the total number of engines is on this. Several, I think. It, uh, several. <laughs> it has a number of engines on this particular uh, aircraft. Uh, I think I worked it out, uh, John, was it was it over £2 million pounds of thrust? Some something was, yeah. something horrendous yeah, two, like two that. Million, two, over two million pounds of thrust this aircraft would produce if it had these engines. Yeah, two point seven million. Yeah, lots, two point seven lots million. Lots and lots of people of in the chat room, several of which we cannot read out. Uh, um, one so from John, to... for example, we can't read that one out. Uh... <laughs> So we've got uh, we've got some captions which are from Andrew. He says, "With all the with all the carriers going under, thanks to COVID, Richard got us a great deal on these refurbished engines." Uh, Dan says, "Greta Thunberg's private jet arrived oh, at no. Heathrow ahead of her conference on oh, climate change." No, that's just wrong. Um, Steve uh, says, Captain Nick now has time to sit back and have two cigarettes to assess the engine failure situation right. before going into panic mode. And also from Steve, he says, the all-new Pritt and Watney-powered 777. Uh, now, you see, I see that. what he did there, because that's a, a little little slip-up I might have made last week. Uh. Now, Nev, <laughs> I'll let you take over from uh, with Mark, Mark here, Mark Alexandra. Yes, uh, he says, uh, better practice that V1 cut, just in case. Quite funny. Right. Uh, Joe, Joe says you can only operate it between the North Pole and South Pole airfields due to noise restrictions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like it. Uh, Laura says the performance is great, but the fuel and maintenance costs are sky high. Yes, uh, I mean, that's a lot of blades to look after, certainly, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> uh, Golan says the flight was only $8, but the fuel surge charge was $22,000. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Sarah says uh, one of these should work. Right. Uh, ben says more wine than Karen. I don't know who is doing that too, but um, uh, Ben says, or other Ben says, uh, 40 engines for longer haul. Uh, Paul says asymmetric approved, like that one. Uh, Jean says, I see a Kerbal has been here before. Uh, Glenn uh, says fantastic performance with extremely short range and David finishes off with one engine per seat right yes I mean that's <laughs> let's uh, let's tie it back to earlier in the show uh, Richard Adams in the chat room says well that's going to need some serious chip oil <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I like that. Yes. So don't forget to look out on uh, social media if you are on Facebook. Check out uh, next week when I'll be popping up another interesting aviation-related picture. So Quite. week ahead, uh, what's coming up on next week's show? I'm hopefully I'm, I'm under. You're not going to be with us, unfortunately. But um, I, hopefully, we'll be here on next week's show. Oh, your next week you'll be. Oh, good. Full crew, full crew next week. Yay! Happy days. Good. Full good crew news. next week. So that'll be good. How, how does that fit in terms of uh, of our restrictions? Obviously, where Nev and Armand are only allowed to be on so many shows together per year. Is that? Uh, I mean, has that well, has, has that broken protocol there, Nev? I mean, you know. I think we could probably get away with it ju just this once. Just this once, right. uh, Hopefully no one's noticed. <laughs> it's just, if nothing else, I look at it on the bright side, it's like we actually have somebody who knows what they're talking about with the military. When, when oh, yes. Absolutely. So, Nev, social media, where can the listeners find us in case they've 
missed us. Oh, yes. Well, uh, website, of course, plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash plaintalkuk. Uh, we're at, uh, at plaintalkinguk on Twitter. And we're on Instagram, too, I believe. Correct, yes. Uh, yeah. Plain Talking UK, again, <clears throat> as the, as the yes. search handle. And you're going to tell me what the WhatsApp number is now as well, aren't you? Yes, no, I, I can do that. I'm, I'm, I'm welcome. One of these days, you know what, I'll make a graphic and I'll, I'll pop it up, shall I? That'll make life easier, like I do with the kitchen discos. Plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. That's plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. There you go. And don't forget, if you are checking out our web page, you can also find the links on there to purchase a glorious P2K t-shirt on there and a p2k mug if you fancy one of those as well and you can also find the links on there as well to our amazon store where you can buy things through the link and it will get a small referral fee which is lovely and if you want to become a patron of the show as well uh, or make a small donation we'd love that as well and you can find those links on our website a special reminder just before we go about our guests ian and jason uh, you can find their podcast over on uh, many podcast players platforms and just search for av talk and uh, we'll put all the uh, links or av talk we'll put all the relevant links on uh, our page for this show for the show notes for the show so make sure you look on there uh, you can find the guys over on twitter at petchmo p-e-t-c-h-m-o and at airline flyer as well you can find them on twitter so big thanks to those guys for joining us at the top of the show so there we go. So that's it then, the guys and girls. We're going to bring episode 363 to a close. Thanks to everyone in the YouTube chat room tonight and all our audio listeners as well. From me, Carlos, here in the PTUK studios. From Matt over in the uh, studios for where he does the big things and stuff. Bungie. From Nev yeah. in his glorious Buckinghamshire studio. From Armando in his gloriously sunshiny Carolina studios. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend. And see you next Friday. Bye-bye. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.